This is the 401 Podcast. Get ready for some onions, a little man-to-man, and maybe some French pastry with our guy, Bill Raftery. Join Rhode Island sports journalist and basketball scribe, Kevin McNamara. We want to welcome in Dick Vitale to the 401 Podcast. Oh, no, Kevin, I have great respect for you. I've been following you for years. With guests from the Ocean State sports scene and beyond. I'm happy to welcome Billy Andre. Now it's time to welcome ESPN's Doris Burke. We welcome Mike Gorman. Welcome ESPN's Field Yates to the 401 Podcast. Very happy to welcome in Bob Ryan. Brad Faxon was at Kiowa. He's a two-time Ryder Cupper, an eight-time winner on the PGA Tour. I'm also thrilled to welcome Brad to this week's 401 Podcast. Now, here's your host, Kevin McNamara. Hello and welcome back to the 401 Podcast. I am Kevin Mac Sports. I'm your host, Kevin McNamara, and thanks for joining me on this edition of the 401. We actually have a special treat for everybody. If you love college basketball and have any ties to Rhode Island, New England, or Eastern basketball, you certainly know who Ernie DiGregorio is. And you probably know all about Dave Gavitt and Marvin Barnes as well. Well, Ernie has written a book called Star with a Broken Heart that is a tribute to his old coach and star big man. They were teammates back at Providence College in the early 1970s, right? All-time great team. Ernie was the backcourt wizard from North Providence, Marvin the dominating big man from South Providence. Dave Gavitt, well, he was the poobah, the maestro, who put the team together that danced all the way to the 1973 Final Four. I know there's you know, been numerous national championship teams from the University of Connecticut. Old-timers say that PC basketball team in 73 was as good as any. Well, why a book and why now? Ernie's about to tell you why right here on the 401 podcast, but as someone who has known Ernie for 30 years, and I was fortunate to count Coach Gavitt as a friend and Marvin as an entertaining acquaintance, well, these three men had a very, very unique bond, a unique relationship, and Ernie wants you to know the stories he tells are, well, they're funny and poignant and also very sad. He hits Marvin's awful battle with drugs and Dave's health struggles as well. But there is uh, so much joy, so many laughs in Ernie's stories as well. And, you know, this is not a book about, you know, the ins and outs of the games in the 72 and 73 seasons. It's, it's about the people, the people who are involved, the relationships that Ernie had with Coach Gavitt and with Marvin Barnes. Anyways, Ernie's stories are outstanding. You're going to love them. And here's my friend, Ernie DiGregorio. Ernie, first of all, welcome back to the show. Great to have you. It's always a pleasure to be on with you, Ken. So, uh, Ernie, I I think this is a really well-written book because uh, you you open your heart. Uh, It's very clear your relationship with Coach Gavitt, uh, with your friend Marvin, your brother Marvin. You go out of your way to call him your brother. Uh, the, the question is, why? Why did you think that uh, you, you wanted to put this all down in, in book form? Well, because Marvin and Coach Gavin were two special, special people in my life. And I felt that there were so many untold stories that were special and unique that I really felt that people would enjoy reading about it and eventually turn this into a movie. Because what it does is it really shows the human side of Dave Gavitt, Marvin Bonds, and Ernie DiGregorio. And that's what I think makes it special. Because it's not about, you know, PC beat this team and 
Yeah. Gavin Barnes got 25 rebounds, or Abe Gavin started the Big East, and it's it's more of a personal book, and, and I think that's what people like to see and hear the uh, untold stories and know the inside stuff that's going on. So I, I do want to get right to some of those stories because I, I do think that's the crux of the book. Uh, the first time you met Dave Gavitt, uh, you, you go on and on, and I think most Rhode Islanders know uh, the, the, the passion and the dedication that you showed uh, growing up in North Providence, Rhode Island, and, be, and you know as a six-foot guy becoming an, an All-American and, and the NBA Rookie of the Year. They, they, they knew your work ethic. Uh, that said, uh, you're at Evans Court in North Providence uh, on Smith Street. I think most Rhode Islanders know where that is. Uh, playing in a game, it starts to rain. Uh, you have a bloody lip, and you look up, and for the first time, you meet Dave Gavitt. Yep, he was there. And uh, that was a unique way of seeing him because, uh, you know, I knew he was uh, going to be the coach, but I didn't think he was going to come up and see me play in the playground. Mm. And that first time I met him was so unique and special, and he was so kind and caring that it sort of showed me what type of person he was. See, basketball players love to play for coaches, and they like to be coached, but they also, more importantly, like to feel that the person is a good person that really cares about you. And I could tell right from that first day when he offered to take me to get my lips stitched up to uh, Lady of Fatima Hospital when it was cut that he really cared. And then he also got to see the human side of me where I was a competitor and I couldn't leave because I wanted to win the basketball game. And I played through it and... uh, that was a unique way of meeting him. Yeah, and, and you talk about uh, that you two took a drive down to St. Thomas More, where where you had uh, a year of prep school before you came to Providence, and, and you became you know friends. And think about you know in college basketball today with the, you know the transfer portal and guys on campuses for a couple months. Uh, th- th- this was the start of a relationship uh, that not only had great success at Providence, but but went right up until the day that that Dave died uh you know you, you remained that close to dave gavitt w- what made you two close i think the respect of each other as human beings you know uh i remember you know when i used to go up to his office when i was a freshman every single day i'd go up and sit with him and, and talk to him and his love for the game and for people and how he wanted me to uh go pick up that six foot nine uh rebounder from uh, Central High School and uh, even at the end to the Big East and, and all the things that he accomplished, he always said to me numerous times, he always wanted to be remembered as a coach. And I had the opportunity to play with for some really great coaches, whether it be Ramsey and Uzi uh, and Jerry West and a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. And they've always stood out as being someone who knew every player's personal habits and, and, and mind. And he could sit and talk with every player during practice when he sat up in the stands watching practice. And he would say the things that would make you play your hardest. So he was really a unique individual as a coach and as a person. That's besides the business side, Kim. Yeah, and you make it clear, Ernie, that uh, Dave Gavitt, uh, his best friends always call Dave Gavitt a, a prince of a man. Uh, and you say, you know, think about it. You got Marvin Barnes running around all the time, and even Dave Gavitt, uh, you saw him get, 
you know, really hot, really upset just a handful of times in, uh, in 50 years' time. Maybe that says an awful lot about, about Dave Gavitt as well. No, I agree. I mean, he always kept his cool. He would always, you know, talk to you. He always would care. And, uh, you know, him and Robin had a great relationship. And, you know, Robin was afraid of him because he knew, folks knew that Robin was a bullshitter and, and he wouldn't put up with his bullshit. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they had a lot of battles on and off the court. And as it shows in the book, you know, it got really personal at the end with his drug addiction and us trying to help him. And one of the things that always stuck in my mind is Coach Gavin always said to me, Ernie, your greatest assist wasn't on the basketball court. It was keeping your brother alive from dying of, of overdose of drugs. And that always stuck with me. And, you know, myself, Kevin Statham, Coach Gavin, a bunch of us tried our best, but in the end, those drugs are so powerful, Kevin, that uh, we lost them. Yeah, you know, and, and, and definitely the most revealing part uh, of the book. Again, the book is Star with a Broken Heart. It's written by Ernie D. Gregorio. I can, I'll tell you how to uh, how to track it down in, in a little bit. I, I got to go into Marvin. Right from the moment that you met Marvin uh, and and picked him up at Central and brought him to play pickup at Providence College, you, you, you saw the personality, uh, the magnetism, just the big personality of a Marvin Barnes, and yet by the end of his even his career at Providence, the senior year at Providence, you were in the pros. Uh, you realized that Marvin was was battling demons, and, and Ernie, uh, you know, a friend to the end. Uh, you tell a great story of getting on a plane in Buffalo uh, and, and leaving the Bla- uh, Braves for a couple of days when you guys had some off days, and going to St. Louis, where Marvin was a rookie with the Spirits, and, and right away you knew he was surrounded by uh, by some tough guys, and that uh, he was going to be challenged. When Marvin was in college, he was straight as an arrow. You know, he never smoked, he never drank, he never did drugs. And then that first year, you know, he got to St. Louis, it all changed. And uh, he became a different person. He still had that charisma and would still talk, but he'd lie a lot. And he would tell stories that weren't true. Mm. And in the book, there were a lot of instances where, you know, he's not telling the truth. And I remember one time, you know, he told me to tell Coach Gavin, you know, he got traded to Detroit when the ABA folded and went to Detroit. And he said he's really got his stuff together. He's in great shape. He's not using drugs. And he's going to have a great year. He wanted me to tell Coach Gavin. And I did. You know, I called Coach and I told him. And he said, you tell him to call me. You know, and Marvin called him directly and, and told him that. But that didn't last long, you know. He, those demons, like you say, come come back all the time, and mm. it was just a battle for mm. years trying to keep him alive. And when he died, and Coach Gavin, you know, they were that was my basketball family, and you know, it was really sad, and uh, you know, it'll never be the same because. They were such special people in my life. Yeah, yeah. We lost Coach Gavitt uh, first uh, to uh, uh, congenital heart uh, troubles that uh, really slowed him down the last couple of years uh, of his life. And, and then Marvin, you know, Marvin, he, he did die. You know, he, he died of, uh, you know, his problems with drugs. It's just such a sad situation. Yeah. Uh, he, er, Ernie, so many I, – I can only imagine on a daily basis so many people ask you about either Dave or, or about Marvin – um, you're carrying on their legacy through uh, this book. How do you take, you know, your friendship to the rest of your life with those two guys? You know, I always think positive. Like I end the book when I walk into the amp 
which was the Civic Center and Dunkin' Donuts Center. I look up at those banners, and I look at Coach Gavich hanging, and I look at Marvin's and mine, and, and in my mind, they're still there with me. We were there, and we did those special things on the court, and I'll always cherish those memories. And uh, This book will bring back a lot of that, and a lot of people will you know, magnify it more and more. But they were special people, Kevin. And uh, for me to have the opportunity, you know, open up that book in the beginning and see us in the in the bowels of the uh, Civic Center when it first started, right to the end, I think it's a hell of a story that uh, had to be told. And uh, I'm just glad that uh, you enjoyed reading the book. And I hope a lot of people get an opportunity to read it and see those stories. Let's take a break from the 401 podcast and hear from our friends at Haxton's Liquors. Go see my pals at Haxton's Liquors on Bald Hill Road in Warwick. Tim and Bob Haxton, they're always ready to serve you and have everything you'll need. All the top wines and spirits, plenty of beer, a huge selection of spiked seltzers, and all the mixers. Stop in and see the Haxton boys and their great staff. They have so much staff, the customer service is over the top. Their supply Second to none. They have it all, so grab a few extras and always be ready when your friends or family members swing by. We're thrilled that Haxton's Liquors remains a proud sponsor of Kevin Mack Sports. Welcome back to the 401 Podcast and our chat with Ernie D., Rhode Island's favorite son. Now, Ernie has entered into a marketing partnership with Providence College and Barnes & Noble Booksellers. Books are currently available at PC's Barnes & Noble store on campus an online purchasing option is available through Barnes & Noble. Barnes & Noble will fill online orders placed by the middle of December in time for Christmas. Er- Ernie, a couple of the best stories I-, I thought that you told. Now, now some of them, you know, I'm like, is, did that really happen? But I know Ernie, he, he, he's, he's not going to, like you said, bullshit a bullshitter. Okay, Ernie, you're at St. Thomas More. Uh, like all yeah. kids away from home for the first time, you weren't happy. Yeah. You were stuck in the woods. <laughs> And you claim that uh, your dad came, he showed up with some food, and was Ernie D. really allowed to cook his own steaks at St. Thomas More? Oh, yeah. I used to have my broiler outside, uh, under my bed, my broiler, and it was so cold over there that I'd actually keep my water jug outside and uh, steaks and stuff. It was freezing. (laughs) I remember skating across Gardner Lake. And that's a big, big lake. That's how cold it was. The ice was frozen. So at nighttime, I used to make my steaks, you know, and, and cook them on the grill. They pretty much let me do what I, I could do. And um, I had a good uh, thing going there. Hey, uh, and how about the very first time you went to pick up Marvin? Uh, now, you showed up in a, in a nice car, you can tell people, and, and it looked like Marvin not only was happy to go up to PC and, and see what uh, that was all about, but also he liked your wheels. Yeah, I had a um, green Corvette, a convertible that Ernie D on the license plate, <laughs> and people used to steal the uh, the license plates for souvenirs. So as soon as I pulled up to uh, Central, outside of the yard, I see this big, tall African-American guy standing, towering over everybody, and he comes over to my car because I guess Coach Gavitt must have passed the word that I was going to pick him up. We take him to Alumni Hall to work out with us guys. And uh, he says, are you Ernie D? And I said, yeah, are you Bad News Bonds? He <laughs> said, yeah. He said, nice wheel. I said, thanks. He says, I would get me one of these next year when I come to. And little and behold, Marvin had a, uh, 
yellow LTD with News 24 on the license plate mm. when he came to Providence. But he was one hell of a player, Ken. Well, you know, Ernie, we we talked for a while now, and I haven't asked you one basketball question. I'm only going to go right to the most important play and moment in your college career, and it was a negative one. Uh, you guys are knocking Memphis around big time in the Final Four, uh, one of the great first halves in Final Four history. Everyone remembers, you know, you're behind the back pass, uh, three-quarter court to uh, Kevin Stakem, Marvin getting every rebound. And Marvin gets hurt. Uh, can you bring me back to that exact moment? What you remember about Marvin going down and, and how that game changed? Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, I always remember PC had maybe 3,400 students. UCLA had 50,000. Indiana had 60,000. Memphis State had 40,000. Huh. So when we got there and we played Memphis State, we had a well-oiled machine where Mom and Bonds averaged 20 rebounds a game and we used to run the fast break. Kevin used to fill the lanes and we were ahead of them by 16 points and running it down their throat. We had no respect for them and we were going to give them a whooping. And then the whistle blew and I seen Marvin like hobble a little bit. He didn't really fall to the ground and he, he limped off the court and I really didn't think much of it. When it happened, because I thought maybe he twisted his ankle or he'd be back. But, you know, he, he told me he stepped on Ronnie Robinson's foot of Memphis State mm-hmm. and his knee locked up on him. So he really couldn't bend his knee. He tried to come back in the game later, but he couldn't. So, you know, when we couldn't rebound. We couldn't run. And when we couldn't, you know, when they came down, they had Larry Keenan and a couple of good guys. They get one, two, or three shots, uh, offensive rebounds, and put it back in. So we tried our best, but without him, we weren't the same team. Understood. Uh, Memphis wins 98-85 in, uh, in it, well, w- one of the most memorable yeah. g- memorable games in PC history for sure. Uh, back to the stories, Ernie. Just a couple more. Uh, we know that Marvin you know, got in trouble at, at Providence, uh, ended up going to the ACI in Cranston for a little bit, uh, as well as uh, a jail in Texas uh, and, and out in California. But anyways, when he was uh, in between seasons in the ABA, he did go uh, and spend some time at the ACI. And uh, Marvin said, hey, Ernie, Kevin Stakem, you got to come and visit. Not only visit, but you played some basketball at the ACI. Is that correct? Yep. He said, come on down. The guys want to play. You know, the, the inmates want to play a game. I said, as long as you can guarantee we'll be safe and getting out of there. He said, no, everything's cool. So we went down there and we played outside in the, in the park, you know, right there in the uh, jail uh, on the hard top. And the uh, first thing out of Robin's mouth was, Ernie D's on my team. And so, you know, I, I played with him and Kevin played with the other guys, uh, the other prisoners, and, we, uh, you know, we, we gave him a good beating. And Kevin kept shooting and missing. And the Christians were getting mad because he wasn't passing the ball. <laughs> so after a couple of games, we got out of there so quick because we didn't know how they were going to react to Kevin. They weren't happy prisoners. Let's put it like that. No, everyone wants to shoot. E- even if your teammate is uh, a Boston Celtic, Kevin Stakem, <laughs> you still want the ball, right? Simple as that. Exactly. Uh, yeah, they thought they were players. 
And, and I love this Dave Gavitt quote. He's actually told this story before, and uh, it, it is the best. You know, uh, Ernie D would complain about not getting enough shots. Marvin would complain about not getting enough shots. And Ernie would stop a practice and say, uh, okay, Marvin, if I don't play you, I'm going to get stabbed. And if I don't play Ernie, I'm going to get shot. I mean, if you think about it, not only is that very funny, but it says so much about Providence in the 1970s. You know, it was uh, it was a turbulent time with race. Uh, we know that you know the uh, the underworld was still you know really deep in in Rhode Island and New England. And you guys, you know, the, the kid from North Providence and the kid from South Providence, were like poster childs for, for poster children for for both constituencies. And yet, everything was cool. That's because we both had one ambition, which was to play professional basketball. We both loved the game, and we both knew we needed each other to win to get to that position to, you know, become publicized. Because in those days, you didn't have every single game on television. So when you got that national televised game, you had to perform. Mm. And we did. We played USC out in California when I was a junior, and we beat them. Or we played UCLA and we got beat out there. But when the pressure was on, that year we won 24 and we lost two. So Mm -hmm. we had a uh, magical run. And I tell people to this day, they still don't believe it, that Coach Sabbath never called the play. He took me in his office one day and he said, Ernie, I'm giving you the keys to this. We're going to go as far as you can take us. I was always reluctant in the past because, you know, you were young and you'd make turnovers. But this is your team, and when a coach does that and gives a, a player that kind of freedom and that kind of confidence, you could see what happens, and uh, it was a magical, magical team. Hey, uh, last one, Ernie, and I really appreciate you joining yeah. me, uh, number one. Uh, My pleasure. So, Thank you for having me. So the, the memories of Marvin, you know, you, you can find him on YouTube and see him play. Uh, you can find Ernie D and some of his great uh, games and passes uh, on YouTube. Uh, what you can't replicate is that, is that time, you know, that early 70s, mid-70s, when college basketball w- w- was so big in Rhode Island. The, the, the Civic Center was just opening. Uh, Dave Gavitt was, well, he was one of the very best coaches in the country. He gets named the Olympic coach in 1980. You know, th- those days are gone, and yet I come across so many people. They say, well, you didn't see that 73 team. I said, I saw that 73 team. I was very young, but I remember that 73 team. That's that's your legacy and Marvin's legacy and certainly Dave Gavitt's legacy as a coach. Um, I would imagine, dumb question, do you get do you get stopped every day and asked the same question? Well, I get stopped a lot, and people say to me, I remember when you played in the greatest times, you know, we've seen in college basketball around here, and we really – Thank you for all the great times you give, you've given us. And, yeah, that's very humbling, mm. and, and it makes you feel like, you know, 50 years later, people are still talking about, you know, what we did. And with that social media, they can play that pass or, you know, play games when we played back. In fact, somebody said they actually seen the tape of the UCLA game, which I found hard to believe. So they can really go back with the social media. But uh, it was magical, Kevin, uh, you know, the relationship I had with those two guys was, you know, was love to the utmost degree. We we all loved each other and we all cared about each other. 
and that's why they're missed so much. Yeah, and we can't leave out your friend Kevin, who I know you're very close with now, Kevin Stakem. He's, uh, I wouldn't say the last vestige. There's still some, some of the teammates from that uh, you know, great era, but uh, you guys are super close as well, and uh, I, I appreciate your friendship for sure. Uh, er- Ernie, yeah, Kevin's the best. Th- yep. th- thanks so much. Uh, we'll see you again at the AMP, and uh, get, the, get that hand ready. I think you're going to be signing a lot of books around Rhode Island here leading up to the holidays. Thank you, Kevin. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks very much, Ernie. And make sure to catch my radio show, the Kevin Mack Sports Hour, every night on 790 AM, The Score, right here in Providence, and WPRO from 5 to 7 p.m. We are the only, I can guarantee you, the only media outlet in the Rhode Island area, I think in all of New England, that talks college basketball and college sports on a regular basis. Sure, you know, I talk Patriots and the Celtics and the Red Sox, But uh, we hit college sports where I know the big boys in Boston certainly do not. If you don't live in Rhode Island, you can stream us or you can just tell your Alexa to find 790 The Score or WPRO in Providence. Well, that's it for this week's 401 podcast. Please pass along this podcast to your pals, your basketball pals, your Ernie D, Marvin Barnes, and Dave Gavitt pals. And click follow as you get all of the 401 podcast pushed directly to your phone. Also, please swing by my website at Kevin Mac Sports, KevinMCSports.com for uh, as much college basketball as I can push out. Thanks, as always, to my producer extraordinaire, Kevin Collins. Now, he doubles as a BC guy, a Boston college guy, but we're not going to hold that against him. Anyone who loves college basketball like Kevin does, uh, we want on our team. Also, to our friends at Haxton's Liquors, Uh, Tim and Bobby Haxton, they are the best. The 401 Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Buzzsprout. Subscribe on whatever platform you enjoy most. Shoot us a like and tune in for the next edition of the 401 Podcast with Kevin McNamara. Thanks for listening to the 401 Podcast with Kevin McNamara. Get the 411 on the sports scene in the 401 by subscribing to the 401 Podcast from KevinMacSports.com.